right, let's get into the Word of God this morning. What I'm teaching on today and what we're teaching on in all our campuses today is, um, is, is, is extremely important in this series of teachings on leadership. Of course, the influencer anyone can lead. That's the, the, the title of the series if you have not been around. But there's a, a peculiarity to what we're sharing today because it's taking the message of leadership from, you know, the high hope that we usually put it to you and I and how we live our lives. So I've titled this, The Making of a Leader, Lessons in Self-Leadership. Proverbs chapter 6, we'll read from verse uh, 6 down to 11. The Making of a Leader, Lessons in Self-Leadership. This message is not just a teaching on leadership, it's prophetic, it is instructive, and it's going to help you to reshape certain things around your life and around your thinking. If you listen attentively, and if you take it beyond the church service uh, to Listen to this again and again and do your own personal study on how you're going to increase your leadership quotient and how things around you are going to improve. You remember last Sunday, we said everything rises and falls on leadership. Not some things, everything, everything. And I said you should put that everything in bold capital when you write that down or underline it. Everything rises and falls on leadership, whether it's career, family, or finances, everything rises and falls on leadership. Where there's leadership, there will be order. And order makes for increase. Where there's order, there will be increase. Where there's leadership, there will be peace. We said last Sunday that we can have a situation of no leadership, we can have a situation of bad leadership, and we can have a situation of good leadership. Where there's no leadership, there's chaos. Where there's bad leadership, there's wickedness and evil. Where there's good leadership, the Bible says everybody rejoices. I want to say that again. Where there's no leadership, there's chaos. There's lack of order. There's lack of productivity. Everything is turned upside down. Where there's bad leadership, evil will be a massive scale. Yeah, there will be destruction of lives. Where there's good leadership, there's goals are met. And there's development, there's increase. There's peace, there's joy. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking alone, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That happens where there's good leadership. Whether in church, at home, in our offices, wherever there's good leadership, we see the peace and joy prevails in those places. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 6, I'll read from verse 6 down to 11. Proverbs 6, from verse 6 down to 11. Praise God. It says, go to the hand, you sluggard, consider our ways and be wise. Verse 7 says, which having no captain, overseer or ruler provides a supply in the summer and gathers a food in the harvest. It says, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. It says, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Can I quickly check this out in the message translation, if you can put that up for me. Message translation um, from verse 6 of Proverbs. I will emphasize verse 7. Message translation. It says, you lazy fool, look at an ant. You know, the first time I read this passage of the scripture, one of the things that came to my mind was to ask the question, what is the size of the brain of an ant? Divinely inspired, says go to the ant. The ant is one of the smallest of God's creature. 
Um, only God knows how many hands you have killed this morning just by walking to church. <laughs> but the Bible says we can learn from that very seemingly insignificant creature of God. Go to the hand, you sluggard. Consider our ways and be wise. Can you put that scripture back on, on, on screen for me? Message translation, Proverbs uh, 6 and verse 6. It says, you lazy fool, look at an hand. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has tell it what to do. All summer is stores of food. At harvest is stockpiles. So how long are you going to lazy around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there. It looks like somebody's story. And then you sleep up to six, the alarm goes off, and then you say to yourself, ah, 15 minutes now. Somebody cannot come and die in Lagos. 15, 15 minutes. That's what the scripture is talking about. A nap here, a nap there. It says, a day of there, a day of there. Sit back, take it easy. Some of us have people who work with us, or maybe you are the one. Always taking a day off. Yeah. When they email you before you open it, ah, this person may not be coming to work today. You already know. Those are the kind of people they're talking about. Take it easy. He said, do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a death-poor a, a life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. Can I start out this morning by saying one of the things that have encouraged poverty, especially in this part of the world, is lack of self-leadership. Where there's lack of self-leadership, level of poverty will go up. Where people always look out for somebody to tell them what to do, uh, poverty in this part of the world is not essentially spiritual. Because we would love to, you know, they say Africa is the dark continent, so there's demonic activities. There are demonic activities everywhere in the world. Yeah, demons don't take visa. We cannot rationalize poverty based on, you know, spiritual activities and all that. It's about pulling up ourselves. It's about making a decision on how we want to live, on how we want to live. One truth, you know, that we must always emphasize, and I will emphasize all through this series, is that anyone can lead. Anyone can lead. Leadership is not defined by status, background, inheritance, or position. You can lead from where you are. Leadership, like we said last Sunday, is influence. And it's the ability to influence yourself and others. The ability to influence yourself and others. So if it's influence, it's about influencing yourself and others, then it starts with you because you cannot give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So it starts with me setting myself up to embrace self-leadership. Then I build myself up in leadership and I can lead other people. Glory be to Jesus. To lead others, you must start first to lead yourself. You must lead yourself first. That's why the scripture says, go to the ants. Without self-leadership, there will be poverty. There will be, we'll, we'll perform under potential. Everyone today who is not working to the fullness of his potential lacks, in one way or the other, a bit of self-leadership. And the good news is that we can grow in self-leadership. We can improve in self-leadership. 
we can get better with how we lead ourselves. Somebody may be asking me this question this morning. So what is self-leadership? Is it just to be able to get up early at 5.30 like you described? <laughs> or is it, just, uh, is it just to be able to pull myself together? Self-leadership is, uh, in simple terms, is the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, feelings, and behavior to achieve your objectives. Intentional, you know, at influencing the way I think. Because the way I think is what determines how I live. My thought determines my life. So if I can intentionally influence the way I think, the way I feel, feelings are very deceptive. In my book, The Seven Commandments of Foolishness, people get to, when situations arise in life, people behave themselves. I think I wrote in the book how people, you know, people, Somebody is, you're fighting your wife at home, and everybody's begging you. And you say, no, ah, I, you know, I, I'm going to lose my mind right now. I'll kill somebody right now. <laughs> and then your phone, your phone. The same person has been shouting all this while and raking. Say, hello, sir. <laughs> okay, sir. Yes, sir. I will be there, sir. Thank you, sir. And put the phone down. <laughs> Madness returns. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. How come when you saw the color ID, you knew that the madness would go down? <laughs> it shows that feelings are fleeting. Yeah. They, 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 we, we posture as if we cannot control our feeling. If you really want to be a great leader, you must tell yourself, I can intentionally influence how I feel. And that's the message of Jesus. When he said, if a man slap you on the left, turn the right. <laughs> People think Jesus wants us to be mumu, like we say in this part of the world. No, that's not the issue. The message that our Lord Jesus Christ was posturing to us there is that of self-control, ability to influence how I feel about the actions of other people. And that's where self-leadership starts from. When I can influence how I feel about the actions of other people, I start to lead myself. So action and reaction will not always be equal and opposite in our dealings with human beings when you are leading yourself. So it's possible for somebody to slap you on the right and say, are you doing, is that the best you can do? Yeah, because this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I'm bigger than that. I'm not going to join you in your madness. Today, only one mad person came to the market. And do you know that if somebody slaps you on the right and you refuse, I mean, you, you turn the left, before you will slap the second one, three or four people may have slapped him on the other side. That's how it's supposed to be. Because they know, I mean, especially when you live in the same society anyway, <laughs> where people know that there should be justice. And much more than that is that you believe that you're not alone and that God fights your battles. I know what I'm teaching this morning may not be very popular to some of us, but you need to, you need to receive it with grace. Tell yourself, this is what I need right now to live a better life. Because all this one that everybody is begging you about your spouse. Eh? And you're saying, no, no, not in this Lagos. Uh, where? <laughs> that's, that's, that should be the question we ask. So where? Where will, it, where will the word of God work in your life if it doesn't work in Lagos? Difficult for us 
to lead other people when we have refused to leave ourselves. So self-leadership is the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, your feelings, and behavior to achieve your objective. It is having a developed sense of who you are and what you can do and what you should do and where. David was a self-led individual in the Bible. I'm going to uh, take the next maybe five to seven minutes to show you a little bit of a case of David and Saul. So in the Bible, we realize that David was a self-led individual with no formal guidance. He trained himself in music, in management, in combat, and in networking. Yeah, that's what he did. He was a guy that if you know the story, you know there are so many Sunday school stories about David. So I'm not going to get into it a lot, but I'm going to read one or two scriptures about him. The most popular one was David and Goliath. Abi, am I saying the truth? But we also know how Samuel the prophet went to their house and God told him to go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse. When he got there, David was not even at home. As the last born, his assignment was to take care of the father's sheep. He was relegated to the backside of nowhere. To the point that the prophet had to ask, do you still have any other son? He was said, bring all your sons. And he was forgotten. But the fact that he was forgotten presented the best opportunity for him to lead himself. Somebody's listening to me here this morning. You feel forgotten. You feel that nobody cares about you. You feel that nobody feels you can amount to anything. It's your best opportunity to develop yourself in self-leadership. Can I tell you my story a little bit? I'm preempting myself. I'm supposed to tell this story a little bit. I'll tell you right now. So the immediate reaction of my parents, they got to know maybe like a year after. I did all my best to hide it. I was still in the body now. I was 16. So when I got back home, I, I was hiding anything that could show that I now have another faith. That he went into my bag and he found that small Bible. And he brought it out. He went to show my parents. That was the day. That was the day issues started. Let me just use issues. Issues started from there. As at the time, I would get um, admission into college, into university, to study engineering. My dad was already in full-blown war. He was a learned man, so he wasn't going to do silly things. He chose not to disown me. And, you know, for you to understand the gravity of what I'm talking about, we were not passive Muslims. I grew up with a mosque in my father's house. My grandfather was the chief imam of our village. This is going everywhere. <laughs> I'm just trying to let you know uh, um, a bit of this. You need to edit this later. <laughs> At some point, my dad was functioning in Supreme Council for Islamic Affairs. Yeah, as an executive. So this, that, that was the kind of uh, Muslim that we were. Maybe not the type that your friend is. Because I just wanted you to understand. So this hostility was not mild. But I can't say everything. But I, I, I had to go into university. I remember my dad looked at me and said, well, you have to sort yourself out. I heard your brother. That's my oldest brother from my mom. I came from a polygamous family. I mean, about the same time, already also gave his life to Christ. I was leaving secondary school. He was leaving the university. 
And somebody preached to him also. So, and he just got his first job. And my dad said, both of you, can sort yourself out. If you like, you can go and live with him. You can. I showed him my admission letter and he said, by the way, I mean, all through that time, the hostility was on. I had to make my choice which course I would study, which university I would go. That, those choices they made for some of us here, some of you. Yeah. Can I say this to parents here this morning? One of the greatest skills you can give your children is the skill of decision making. The capacity to make the right decisions for themselves earlier in life. My being somehow not completely ostracized, but being pushed away or not being reckoned with, gave me the best opportunities in my life to make my own decision. So I chose the university I would go. I chose the course I would study by praying to God and trying to hear from him, even as a teenager. I heard God. Nobody can convince me that God did not speak to me about the university I went. Yeah. Because if I trace my ministry journey today, it started from there. So in 1993-94, about that, that I started the first ever ministry I would start in my life, it was my decision based on praying and hearing from God. Yeah. Started a campus ministry, which is still in existence here today. Yeah, some of the people who are pastored with me here and who are pastoring here are products of that ministry. Pastor Sheung here, uh, I think, got into university the year after I left and still pastored that fellowship. I handed over that fellowship to Pastor Today Usidami. <laughs> yeah. And that fellowship has produced many leaders, ministry leaders, leaders in business up till now. Last year at Exponential, we still had leaders from that fellowship attended Exponential Conference from that university. But I made all those decisions. Sometimes God puts us in situations where he just wants us to be able to be in that frame where it looks like we're neglected, we're left alone, and it's our best opportunity to develop ourselves in self-leadership. All the entrepreneurs here who are listening to me this morning will understand that one of the things that being an entrepreneur will confound on you is the ability to take personal responsibility for your life because nobody's going to pay you salary at the end of the month. I haven't said that I'm not in any way undermining people who work for other people. Because even on your career path, your ability to lead yourself is what will distinguish you. Nobody wants to work with somebody that you always tell what to do. Am I still here this morning? I mean, people still here. Yeah. You want to work with people who will take initiative. Let me move faster. That ability to take responsibility for ourselves is what distinguished David from Saul. That's what distinguished David from Saul. So, to lead yourself, you must, first and foremost, have a sense of responsibility. And that's what leads to a sense of personal vision. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking more about vision and leadership. Until I start to take responsibility for myself, I cannot take delivery of a personal vision for myself. If people have to tell me what to do about my life all the time, it's difficult for me to sit down to configure a sense, I mean, to, to a vision for myself based on the help of God. Yeah. And many people listening to me this morning, it's not bad to look forward to inheritance. 
But some of us, just based on how our life turned out, we didn't have opportunity to take any inheritance. I'm not saying bad, but don't focus your attention on it. Develop a sense of personal vision for yourself. Yeah. If you've had the opportunity of being trained in any skill or formal education, that's your inheritance, first and foremost. Focus on that one. And think of what you can do with that. That's for all the young people here listening to me this morning. Think of what you can do with that, first and foremost. So when we look at the life of David and Saul, these are the things that we will see. That Saul wanted to be macro-managed, David, because of how God packaged his life or taking advantage of the things that God has packaged into his life, took responsibility for himself. So, uh, when you look at it, Saul had to be told to look for donkeys in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 9, verse number 3. I wanted to put this on the screen for me, please. Saul had to be told to look for donkeys. But David rescued the sheep from the lion and the bear. David rescued the sheep from the lion and the bear. Praise God. David rescued the sheep from the lion and the bear. This is a comparison between both of them. You see a sharp difference. The first story is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 9. This, the second story is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, David told the story to Saul. He gave him his, his CV, his bio. When David approached Saul to say, I can fight this Goliath. He said, oh, you are a rookie. These people have been fighting all their life, their experience. And David said, forget about that. I've been leading myself a long time ago. Can you put that scripture on the screen for me, please? Help me this morning. Quickly, quickly. 1 Samuel 17 from verse 34. 1 Samuel 17, 34. Quickly. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34. David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. Struck it and killed it. Are you leading your life in such a way that a drive for accountability and personal responsibility can make you uh, um, appropriate the grace of God and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to do strange things? Because if you sit too quietly, not taking responsibility for yourself, in spite of the fact that you, are, you have the Holy Ghost working for you, the angels of God working for you, the wisdom of God at your disposal, you may not have results. Are you still with me today? Because we read that and we think that what David was saying there is really far-fetched. Can you put that scripture back on the screen for me, please? It's really far-fetched. And it's not... It wasn't by David's might. It was that David believed that a life of self-leadership demands that if they give you 15 animals, you must account for 15. Yeah. If it's going to be to the detriment of your life, go for it. The reason why some people are not making enough progress in life is that they overprotect their own life to the detriment of God's calling and God's you know, assignment for their lives. How will you... <laughs> How can you prove that God will show up when you refuse to show up? 
when you refuse to show up. And then we over glorify this, not knowing that God wants to kill a lion through you. God wants to kill a bear through you too. Today, I mean, we don't, we don't run after animals in Lagos, so there are no bears and lions, but we have bears and lions in corporate world. There are bears and lions in your industry. There are bears and lions perpetrating corruption and evil. Because the bears and lions came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, which was the, 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 the job description of the devil. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, but the enemy has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Anything that is killing, anything that is destroying lives, destroying industries, destroying, limiting our development, God wants to use you to kill the lion, to kill the bear, but you have to show up. The reason why many people are not showing up is our lack of you know, self-leadership. Because self-leadership is what constrains you to be accountable. David said, I will rather present a dead animal that shows the mark of a bear that it was a bear that killed this animal. That's why he went outside to collect it. Than to tell stories when my father comes. Yeah. And to the detriment of my life, I will go after it. I need a proof that I've been faithful with that which has been committed into my hand. That's self-leadership. Can you tell your neighbor for me, say, enough of stories. It's time to lead yourself. Christians love to tell stories. Yeah. A lot of stories. We can excuse anything away. Including I've not heard God. Even somebody has said, I didn't hear God. God did not tell me to run after Yeah. I just want to hear God. Yeah. You have been sitting there. I've not heard God. I've not heard God. You need to make a decision. Yeah. I know we say we should allow God to direct us, but there's a balance to this thing. You can't sit down for six months, one year, two years. You have bills to pay, my friend. Say you have not heard God. How do you do that? That's your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. We are over spiritualizing things. David could sit there now and say, Ah, Lion, ah, no, ah, God, should I go? <laughs> David knew that God expected accountability from him. So if God expected accountability, the Bible says he has highly exalted his word above his name. Yeah. There are situations in life where you have to move based on what you know, God's values and God's principles. Knowing that he will show up for you when you move. Glory be to Jesus. So Saul had to be told to look for his father's donkeys, 1 Samuel 9 and verse 3. They had to call him. Why David will run after the animal, you know, just because he wanted to be responsible. So, they said, his father called him and said, go and look for the animals that were missing. And in, in uh, you know, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, please take one of the servants with you. Arise and go and look for the donkeys. Yeah. They had to tell him what to do. This was how he was brought up. Look at how the other guy was brought up. <laughs> you have to tell him what to do. And then they go from, from verse 4, they, so they, they pass through this mountain, pass through that mountain. After he was so said, well, let's go <laughs> Look at verse 5. The Bible says, when they had come to the land of Sue, Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let us return. Let my father see carrying about, 
the donkey and become worried about us. Yeah. What kind of human being is that? And then it was the servant that told him again to say, ah, I'm just going home. We need direction. Maybe if we have direction, we'll be able to. Uh, so where will we get direction? And there's a prophet in this place who hears from God. Let's, let's, let's go and meet the prophet. Then they now went and met the prophet. Even when they were going to meet the prophet, Saul still had an excuse. Uh, what are we going to give the man of God that may show us the way? You are supposed to be the heir to the throne. You are the, the son. This is the servant. The servant said, I have something. Yeah. I have something. The servant said, answered the soul and said to him, look, I have here at hand one fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God that he may tell us our way. Even so, he left home with nothing. Or maybe he squandered it on the way. I don't understand. How come it was a servant that had something to give the man of God, not the main guy that he sent on assignment? These are lessons of self-leadership. Because at the end of the day, when you tell all their lives, both of them, they both then got a chance to lead a nation. <laughs> but Saul's lack of self-leadership showed up big time when he ascended to the highest level of leadership. When David got to the highest level of leadership, his ability to lead himself showed up the same way. So, let me go on quickly. I'll just a few more minutes. So, Saul had to be encouraged to find, his, 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 to find a prophet, to find wisdom. But David sought God himself and developed a personal relationship with God. He wrote most of the Psalms. Have you ever seen a Psalm that he said this was the Psalm of Saul? That must be a private Bible that you have. Because I haven't seen it anywhere before. But David wrote Psalms. You know, you could say, oh, it's because David had artistic uh, whatever, you know, and all that. Not everybody who wrote in the Bible had artistic anything. Saul had the opportunity to lead God's chosen people. Yet, you cannot trace anything that he wrote. David had the opportunity of creating a relationship with God that will live also in a time where there are more souls than David. How do I put, put, put it this morning? I, I, wanted to, I, I warned you ahead of time when I started teaching this morning. This is going to be a little different. There are many more Christians today who would rather get somebody to hear God for them than for them to hear God on their own. Those are Saul's generation. We want to raise David's generation in this church. Ministers and spiritual leaders are to help you to build capacity to relate with God. They won't always be there to hear God for you. Man of God, what is God saying? What has he said to you too? Because you need to develop capacity to hear God for yourself. I have the responsibility to hear God first and foremost for my family, then for this ministry. I'll take responsibility on a wider scale for a nation, for a state. And as God increases my influence, I want to do that with a heart that is clean. And then to take responsibility for individuals. But not always to hear God on your behalf. In critical situations, God will speak to me about people. Three days ago, I said I had a dream about somebody. So that is not, uh, it's not, it's not far-fetched. But what God wants is for you to be able to hear God for yourself. Personal relationship. We are saved by Christ as a 
as, as individuals. And we work with him, first and foremost, as individuals before it becomes institutionalized. Today, people are looking for institutions rather than looking for God. So that when institutions fail us, because we don't have God, initially, they will lose God. <laughs> are you still with me today? God first! And then the institution is to help us to enhance our capacity to work more with him. Are you still with me today? Yeah? That's, that's, that, and that's self-leadership when we start to take responsibility for ourselves. David needed, I mean, Saul needed to be rescued from Goliath. David stepped up and slew Goliath. In the Valley of Ella, in 1 Samuel 17, you realize that Saul needed to be rescued. Can you take it down again? Saul needed to be rescued from Goliath. David, who was not trained, who self-trained in the use of a sling, who self-trained in interpersonal relationship, who self-trained in almost everything in the use of the harp, was the one that came and rose up to the occasion. Saul asked Samuel to cover up his leadership failure. David owned up to his fault and repented of his failure. Two of them had two prophets that worked with them. Saul, in the days of Saul, Samuel was the most important prophet. When Samuel went to Saul and spoke to him about his issues, <laughs> in 1 Samuel 13, when you read from verse 11 down to 14, and Samuel said, what have you done, Saul? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, what's about people scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. He was not supposed to do that. Everything he said here, there was nothing like taking responsibility for his action. There was no sorry. There was no, what can we do to appease God? Yeah. And Samuel said to, to, to Saul, you have done foolishly. Let's call it a spade a spade. Yeah. You are foolish. A foolish king. Your prayers did not bring you up well. Yeah. <laughs> and you too, you did not need to train, even if they tried. Said you are foolish. Said you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, on the flip side, a man that takes responsibility for his actions, that has learned to lead himself, 2 Samuel chapter 12. David got into trouble. You know this story. Committed adultery and murder to cover his trap. No people today say, God forgives anything and, you know, uh, uh, why will God, what did Saul even do? Saul did not sleep with anybody's wife. He just disobeyed God. David did, committed all kind of shenanigans and, you know, useless things. 
but God will say, is a man after my heart. You know why? This is part of why, what we're teaching this morning. Action. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. So David said to Nathan, this was after Nathan told him, David, you messed up. A crazy king. Yeah, you, you, you allowed your head to get in the way and your flesh to get in the way. Told him a parable about how a man had many animals and then he had a guest, somebody was visiting, and then he went to collect the animal of a man that had only one. And that man had turned that animal to his daughter. They hid together, they do everything together, then you collect it. Ah, David said, so he did that. He, he killed the animal of the other man. When he has plenty, we should kill that man. And then later told him, you are the one. Yeah, you are the one. But this is David's response, verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You didn't see anything like this in the story of Saul. I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sins. You shall not die. However, because by this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. So God said, I will give you some punishment because you cause name to be blasphemed by outsiders, non-Jews. So you are going to be punished, but I forgive you. In Saul's case, the kingdom was taken completely from him because he refused to take personal responsibility for his actions. I'd love to ask anyone in this service this morning, how are you shining away from taking personal responsibility for your life, for your actions, for the things that you do right now, for how you lead your company, for how you are running your business, yeah. for how your home is going? Because that's how we know whether you are leading yourself or not. Many people in the days of social media, yeah, you, 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 you put up a front of social media, but something else is happening. Yeah. You shape narrative about a company that is, that is bleeding badly. And you say, we are the best in our industry. Who are you deceiving? You're not taking responsibility for your failure. Your marriage is not working. But yet, you are still putting pictures up. Yeah. Saying my, my, my heart drop, my, my, my kidney, my this. But you know you've not been talking. You, you, don't, you don't talk to each other at all. <laughs> who, who are you deceiving? Yeah. Take responsibility for your life, for your relationships. That's how God shows up. When David took responsibility for his father's animals, God gave him the strength to do the impossible, to kill a lion. When he took responsibility for Israel as a whole nation, you know, you have to take responsibility when nobody's looking for you to have responsibility when people are looking. Yeah. The war at the Valley of Elah was one-on-one. It was a strange kind of war. It was not, you know, the usage of a whole army. What the, the Philistines said is choose among you one person. And we also choose one person. You know, when all of us are fighting, we don't know who is fighting and who is not fighting. <laughs> the war of David and Goliath was to show truly who has led himself. <laughs> Anybody can fight when everybody's fighting. But when they say one person, one person, you need to know what you are saying. <laughs> so all the people who have been, you know, in my language they call it Jomo. <laughs> When you're patching it up, yeah. 
All the people who have been patching it up, they could, not, they could not step up. Yeah. It took a man who has learned to lead himself to say, I'll step up here. Even the king could not step up. So, because he has not been leading himself. You know, if it was guerrilla warfare or just so would have been, you know, he would just be dodging, moving around. <laughs> and his boys would be killing people. And they say, hey, we have one. One person. One person. As a round of this morning, two important questions for all parents here, myself inclusive. Are we raising David or are we raising Saul? You don't have to chase your parents, I mean, your kids out of home for God to go and corner them somewhere. Like the story that I told. No, you don't have to do that. God wants you to take responsibility for them in your home and raise them up as a David who is a self-leader. Then the second question is, the way your life is going right now, are you going to end up a David or a Saul? Don't forget, both of them are Jews. We're Jews. Yeah. So it's not, this is not, I mean, we're New Testament Jews. We're Christians. So we will always have Saul kind of Christians and David kind of Christians. It's your choice. And it starts with how I lead myself. Embracing the right values, like Daniel did in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. He made up his mind not to corrupt himself with the king's meat you know, and all the things that they serve. It's personal value. To be able to measure your progress and say, what can I do differently? Because it's about me and God. Other people can help me. My pastor can support me. My church family can support me. My biological family can support me. But at the end of the day, life is a personal adventure. And until you take responsibility to lead yourself, you may not fulfill the fullness of your potentials and God's will for your life. Can somebody lift your two hands to Jesus this morning and say, Lord, I don't want to hand up a soul. Give me grace to lead myself. In the midst of all the things I've said this morning, you know the one that pertains to you specifically. You know the one that pertains to you specifically. So that you're not just an onlooker in this service this morning because this is not entertainment. This is administration. You need to take that one that pertains to you this morning and say, Lord, help me. I don't want to hand up like a song. I want to hand up as a David. A man after your heart. A man that will fulfill destiny. A man that will fulfill purpose. That's how I want to hand up. As a man that will fulfill destiny and a man that will fulfill purpose. Lift your two hands to Jesus all over this place. Everyone watching online, lift your two hands to Jesus this morning. And just say, Lord Jesus, I ask for grace to lead myself. Grace to lead myself, that everything that you will bring to me, whether it's a relationship, a business, a career, I will not be the person that needs to be told what to do. I'll take initiative. I'll lead myself. I'll pull myself up. Because I know your spirit will pull with me. Your spirit will guide me. Your spirit will lead me. But I will not stay in the, on the same spot. Somebody speak this morning. I want you to start to, 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 to just ask God for grace upon your mind. Every prevailing thought that is contrary to forward movement. I want you to begin to bring them down today. Everything that you believed about yourself. You know, David could have believed that he couldn't kill a lion. But his sense of value for accountability pushed him to try. Somebody here, you need to pray this morning. Lord, help me to do it.